Hello, Adulting Well listeners. This is Pepper, a.k.a. Joshua, a.k.a. Pepper, here to tell you about Anchor. So we used to host our podcast on another service, and we had this show for maybe three or four years at this point. And we got some metrics and things, but we didn't have a lot to do with them. And we recently switched over to Anchor. And what's amazing about it is it has all the metrics for the show. So you can see, you know, how many downloads you get and things like that. But it it also lets you engage with the audience uh, in ways that our old service couldn't. So, for instance, we can have polls. We can ask listeners to uh, leave us messages and questions and things like that. And we can uh, put them on the air super easily and answer those questions. Just uh, That's just one example, but there are just a lot of different ways that we can um, engage with you now that we're using Anchor. So uh, this is our first ad, and it's for this service that we're using to provide this podcast to you. And I think it's uh, actually a really, really good service. Um, and if you have a podcast, I recommend it. You can download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Uh, thanks for uh, pausing with me for a second. Now back to the episode. Hello and welcome to the Adulting Well Podcast. I am your co-host Joshua and I am joined as always by the beautiful co-host Kevin. And uh, tonight we have uh, Dave on from Dopey Podcast and uh, they don't use last names, the no. uh, the host hosts previously. Um, so uh, we can, we can kind of, I've been listening to your podcast for a while and then all of a sudden it blew up because of a uh, interview that, that, or a piece that you guys got on um, this American life, which is when we had originally asked you to come on, but just as the connection, the reason I knew about your podcast was because we are both friends with Tracy Helton. Right. Oh yeah. So that's kind of where I had heard about it. And then now there's more connections as we, as I kind of explore the, uh, the connection tree here, but, um, dopey is essentially, um, sort of the dark humorous side of drug addiction. I guess that would be a fair assessment and, um, but also very serious at times. And so I guess Dave, why don't you just give us a little bit about you and, you know, obviously we talked a little bit about a lot of our guests have come from sort of alternative, uh, music scene backgrounds and you have, you have some of that in your past as well. So, um, I'm just going to give you an opportunity to kind of introduce yourself and talk a little bit about, you know, uh, maybe some of your younger life. Okay. Um, then we can get into the podcast. Yeah. Where are you from, Dave? I'm from uh, New York. I'm from Manhattan. I grew up on uh, in Chelsea. You grew up in Manhattan? Yes, sir. I did. Oh, wow. Okay. Where are you from, Joshua? Petaluma, California. Nice. Uh, about 45 minutes north of uh, San Francisco. I have I have some idea of where that is. It's a great sounding name, Petaluma. I like the sound of it. It's very old. You know, my, my uh, grandpa used to say you can pet a llama, but you can't pet a luma. No, you can't. You certainly can't mm-hmm. pet a luma. Um, now, I grew up in Manhattan, and um, now I live on Long Island. I live in the suburbs, which I would have laughed at me for when I was a kid. <laughs> of course. Um, but I met a beautiful woman who's from Long Island, and if I wanted to be with my children, I moved out here. Um, yeah, I, I've been around music forever, and I, uh, I'm a drug addict in recovery. And um, Dopey was originally supposed to be um, – 
you know, like a darkly, it was like, it was supposed to be just war stories of the dumbest things we had done on drugs. And it was that, but then because me and my friend, Chris, who I started the show with were in recovery, we decided the show had to have some recovery or else we were just glorifying drugs. But, but my past is, uh, I grew up, uh, you know, my parent Jewish uh, public school in Manhattan. I went to a really, really good public school, and um, I didn't do drugs until I was like seventeen. And um, you know, I commuted from Chelsea to the Upper East Side from when I was four until I was graduating high school. So, like, um, basically, I was a total just New York City Jew, and I still am. So that's ask me something. <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of kid? What kind of kid? Like, who are you hanging out with in high school? Who was I hanging out with? I was hanging out with actually the same people I hang out with now, which is, <laughs> you know, and a bunch of them I hung out with when I was four. It was like just a very insulated group of guys, uh, mostly Jewish, some not Jewish. You know, a did you all get into drugs together? No, I, I was the only. I was the only one who was an addict out of wow. my group. My group of friends. A couple other ones kind of smoked some weed with me or took acid with me. One of them did a bunch of heroin with me, but he didn't become a heroin addict. He just could walk away Mm -hmm. from it. I was the only one out of all of my friends that became an addict. And also growing up in Manhattan, we went to like the nerdiest school there was, you know, like super nerd school. And like for fun, we would like hang out at each other's houses and like make funny videos. Like that's what we did for fun. We'd watch TV and eat and make stupid videos. Like we would like, I played in bands when I was a kid. I played in reggae bands and ska bands. Um, and that was fun, but like, it wasn't like, like a wheeling and dealing New York city kind of life. It was more of like a nerdy, uh, wandering around the city and trying to have fun kind of life. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. I, I wish I had that could say that I was the only addict out of my friends, but that certainly was not the case. I grew up just North of, of where Joshua was in Santa Rosa and we were, uh, nice. there was quite a lot of us, uh, you know. <laughs> many unfortunately and and the more serious side we've lost and you know many more are are the good news is in recovery so um you know i wish uh, i i definitely there's times that i wish i was the only one but it's also you know to some degree kind of nice to have people you you know i'll see people in in meetings and you know they can kind of like keep you honest a little bit right because you can't get too far off the mark of what, what you used to be like when you've got people in there that know you um so, uh, so yeah, I mean the, so the podcast kind of, how did, how did Dopey come together? It was, you know, yeah, how did you even think to, did you, had you tried other podcasts before? No, you know, I'll tell you the whole story and I, and I haven't really, I've done a bunch of podcasts, but I like keep a bunch of stuff to myself, but I'll tell you the story because I like the story. Um, I mean, uh, I never tell the story because like on Dopey, Dopey is like anonymous. Uh, and when I say it's like anonymous, yeah. it, it means like it's very easy to figure out who I am or who Chris was because like right. Chris used to edit the – Chris died. You know, first of all, I'm just yeah. going to give it away. Chris wound oh, up – Chris overdosed. Right. He relapsed on heroin and coke and crack and pills and he overdosed um, two years ago uh, this July 24th. So um, that's the terrible part of the whole story. Chris died uh, and a bunch of other people in the Dopey Nation, like that's our fan group, died. People who were very close to the show because our fan group was mostly drug addicts in early recovery. We yeah. started making Dopey when uh, I had four months clean, you know, and I'm, I'm coming. Oh, wow. So, like, I'm coming that's up. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but Chris, yeah. Chris had two years clean when we started. Right. And, 
and Chris and I had met years ago in rehab. Yeah. Um, we had met in 2011 in rehab and then we kind of both kept relapsing off and on and we would kind of like get, yeah. get clean time and lose it. And, and, and then when I finally got clean, Chris had relapsed terribly and he had gotten two years together and I like, he was such a terrible drug addict that like when he got two years together, I kind of wanted to know how he did it. So I started talking to him a lot. And, mm-hmm. um, and just before that, you know, I, I work at Katz's Deli in Manhattan. Have you ever seen When Harry Met Sally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the orgasm? Yeah, my mom. I'll have what my she's mom's having. family's from Brooklyn, so I've been to Katz's a few times. Right. So I've worked Once there. Once or twice. <laughs> have you been there a lot? Once or twice. No, yeah, I've been there a lot. Okay, I bet you saw me. I mean, I, I, I've I worked probably there. have. <laughs> yeah, I worked there for the last 12 years as a oh, waiter. I've definitely seen you. Yeah, and I worked there when I was in high school. Um, and basically I was, I, I wanted to do like, I was like, I was a waiter there and I, I used to produce TV and Katz's was such a beautiful place, you know, and such a cool New York place that Mm -hmm. I wanted to do something creative about it. And I, what I wanted to do was like do a kind of pseudo reality show with the guys from who worked on the counter, which were all these Dominican guys who worked on the counter who I was friends with. And I wanted to call the show behind the counter. Like it was going to be like, <laughs> like behind the music, but it was behind right. the counter. And uh, the guys were terrible on the show. They were super cheesy and hammed everything up. And they they yeah. weren't they weren't like being their normal dicks like they were in person in real life. They weren't doing it when I turned on the video camera. So I decided that I had to be in the video so they could be dicks to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. So we we started making this video series, a web series called uh, "The Last Jewish Waiter." where I was the waiter and I wanted to have a talk show. So I decided to have a talk show while I waited tables. And, <laughs> and Amazing. It was, it was, That's it actually was, a really good concept. Yeah. I love that these guys are just like in your weird world, your weird art world. Like they're just, <laughs> they're just swept into it. Oh yeah. I mean, but they were also like, they ate it up because they were, they were super funny. And also the Dominican guys that I work with at Katz's were like total, old New York. Like they were not mm-hmm. like bougie artisanal mayonnaise in Brooklyn. They were like old school New York. Like these were the kids I was scared of when I was a kid in New York. And all of a sudden they were like my friends and I learned Spanish and I smoked weed with them and whatever. Um, but so, so, so <laughs> like, and I was this asshole waiter and I was a dick to all the customers. And like, that was going to be the show where I was kind of a dick to the customers and the Dominican guys were kind of an asshole to me and I was a dick to them. And, uh, and it worked out and people really liked the show and they wrote about it in like a bunch of places and paper magazine and the eater and, you know, like a bunch of people wrote about it and it kind of got a little bit of attention. And Chris saw that and he was like, holy shit, you know, you're going to be famous and this is going to be famous. And I want to do something with you like that. And by the time, Mm -hmm. by the time he said that the last Jewish, the last Jewish waiter had totally imploded. You know, I had actually like the people who made Anthony Bourdain's show had reached out to me and we had made a sizzle reel together, but nobody cared. I went to LA to pitch it. Nobody was interested. It it turned into nothing. And like a, and a year later, Chris was like, dude, that last Jewish waiter thing was the best. We should do something like that. 
And, um, and I had another friend who was like, I want to do a podcast about drug stories because drug stories are the most entertaining stories there are. But my friend like wasn't a drug addict. And Chris was like, literally the most entertaining drug addict in the world. And I was like, let's just steal my friend's idea. And, uh, and we'll do that. And, you know, <laughs> nice. and, and you know, so, so that's what we did. Huh? That, well, that's cool. That's a pretty amazing origin story. Well, the fact that you guys like were running into each other in rehab and stuff is just, you know, I mean, I had had a few guys like that and uh, (laughs) that, you know, that, that I still know all these years later, you know, that are, that are, you know, a couple of mine ended up being roommates with after my last stint, you know, it just is kind of such a small world, right? Well, I think that's the best. Like when you, I mean, you meet so many people in your life and then how many do you stay in touch with? You know what I mean? And the ones you stay in touch with, it's very special, you know? And I, I mean, like, like most, like I said before, like a lot of my friends are my friends from when I was four. So like, I kind of have the ability to do that. Like, that's my ability is to like, try to stay tight with people that if I ever had a connection with somebody, I try to keep it because like, I like to, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I I don't, I don't, I don't know what that's like, but I know what you mean. Why don't you want Joshua? Talk to me. I just it takes a lot of effort for me to be like the friend I should be and like reach out to people and answer things and stuff like that. I will say good. I will say in Joshua's defense though, he's he's a really great husband and a super awesome pet dad. And with me at least, he does he does his best to initiate text message threads. You know, so he'll that's good. So, you know, so he's a good so, he's a good friend to you, Kevin. He's a good friend to me. So uh, you know, I don't know how he is with other people. I can't. I can't. I, I know. How, I, I have a general <laughs> idea how he is with his wife. He's a very good husband. She she well, loves him dearly. So that's that's a plus in my book. So Dave, tell us about your addiction. Yeah. No, I'm just trying to change the subject. <laughs> no, Joshua, come on now. <laughs> how how old are you, Joshua? I just turned. Uh, oh gosh, forty four. I just turned 46. What's your birthday? March 10th. Okay, you didn't just turn 44 then. It was months ago. Anyway. It was months ago. um, So you're 44. You're very close with Kevin, but you don't feel like you've been close with your other friends for a while. You have distance. Because you're probably in a deeply loving marriage, correct? Correct. At some point, that like best friend dream happened, you know? That's great. Yeah. It's like I'm close with my friends. I'm just saying I'm bad at correspondence. Like I'm bad at getting back to people. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm like, I have my phone. Like my phone is like my addiction now. And if somebody messages me, I write them right back because I can't help it. I I like if I don't write them right away, I like lose my mind. Like I can't not answer every text as they come in. It's not good. So do you do everything like that, or do you like set reminders and set your calendar, like, and all that stuff? I try to do everything like that, but because I'm so impulsive. I can forget stuff. And if I forget stuff, I like for my job, I need to have reminders, you know, like I need, I need to have reminders. Like now I do uh, catering and strategic partnerships at Katz's and I forget shit all the time. And, uh, but if I forget something, then we won't get, you know, I won't get paid and I, my family won't eat and stuff. So I put reminders on my calendar for that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm like a calendar. I, I have to calendar everything or I forget. I'm, I'm totally mm-hmm. all over the place. My, both my, my wife and business partner have accused me of having ADD. So I just, I just go with it now. I'm like, I'm just putting it on the calendar, whatever it is, <laughs> just so I don't forget. Cause I, I totally move on to the next thing. If I, if I lose interest in something, it's pretty much over. Yeah. yeah like- so this, this podcast, for instance, like Kevin gets excited about it and he'll book all these podcasts and we do all these podcasts and uh-huh. nothing for like, for like six months. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. I got really excited about it and I book all these people. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I'm, I'm coming up. How, wait, so how long have you been clean now, Dave? I'm coming up on five years this summer. That's amazing. Damn, congratulations. Thank that you. Is, that is amazing. That's uh that's a big feat. I, I, uh, I commend anyone that can stay clean for a day. Still, Kevin, well, you're some crazy number. Aren't you? I have a big number, yeah, but you know, it's it's again, it's like one of those things. Like, I truly believe, like, we're we're you know, we there's always work to do. So, I I celebrated 21 years in uh, November, and that's awesome. Um, Congratulations, and, thanks. Yeah, and I you know, I I count myself among the fortunate because it only took me about you know six rehab trips and <laughs> touring the West Coast, uh, checking out all the jails and institutions I could between here uh, in the Portland, Oregon and back and, you know, sleeping in homeless shelters and doing all the other crazy shit that we do. And, um, but we'll also say, Dave, what did you do from like 18 to yeah. 35? Okay. Um, when I, I graduated, I, I went to college. So I was going to be in t- work in television. Oh, you went to college. Yeah. I went to college. Okay. I went to school. I went to school in Ithaca, Ithaca college in upstate New mm-hmm. York, but I got kicked out, um, for weed because I was um, buying and selling weed. But at the same time, as I got kicked out, I applied to transfer to an art school and I got accepted. So I never got kicked out. I transferred before the, the, the suspension expulsion happened. So I was very psyched about that move. I, I wound up basically what I did was I did a bunch of really weird jobs. Like I was, I was a private eye for a summer. I did weird, like, like cigarette promotions on the New Jersey shore and in the Hamptons. And then a buddy of mine sprained his ankle working on a uh, MTV unplugged. <laughs> and, uh, and I got his next production gig and his next production gig was at this, uh, very small TV station that was a subsidiary of, uh, Lorne Michaels Broadway video and I started being a production assistant there and then I kind of became a production assistant for a lot of different productions around New York and then I wound up being uh, on air on their little network because when I was in high school I interned at MTV and I wound up on MTV when I was in high school so I just kind of knew that I could do it so Mm -hmm. like I wound up doing it in my early 20s but by that point I was a total stoner and um and i like did drugs and stuff and it kind of like turned as soon as i became successful in television i was addicted to heroin so oh, okay. so like i signed a deal like i had a good deal and uh i didn't for th- a three-year contract when i was like 23 like to make some good money and i didn't make it into the second year of the contract oh, brutal that's but it's the story right i mean I don't know. I mean, it was a terrible, it was a terrible time. You know, I got addicted to heroin and I, and I started doing exactly what you were talking about, Kevin, kind of frequenting every free detox in New York and uh, every free 28 day program I could go to. And then I had one other good job where I produced a show for MTV too. And then after that, it was just like hell. 
I went to rehab in Florida and then I just like stayed high on heroin and methadone and pills and weed from basically from 23 to 35. Yeah. Um, I lived with a woman for most of that time. It was basically me, the woman, uh, two cats, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I was, and I was the third, I was the third cat and I was just strung out on heroin and methadone and it was a mess. Um, and, uh, that was my life. I did nothing. I barely had a job. I mean, I had bullshit jobs. I was like, yeah, a, yeah, I was yeah. like a kept man, uh, for mm-hmm. many, many years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of one of those things that you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be either taken care of or you end up, you know, I mean, you end up locked up. <laughs> those are kind of the, the two or homeless. It's weird though. Right. When you go through a, a relatively long, like, when I think about, I'm 44, like 28 to 36 was just like this like groundhog day yeah. of, of kind of partying with partying, you know, throughout the week and into the weekend and then the recovery for like a day. And then again, and it's, if people ask me what I was doing, I don't really have a good answer. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I get it, but that was an age to do that. It just, t- yeah. it's a, it's a step further though. Like when you can't afford heroin, so you have to be on the methadone program. And like, the thing is like, it's something that me and Chris used to joke about on the show all the time. Like we never like got to party. We just were just fucked up. Do you know what I mean? It was no party. It yeah. was like, yeah. it was right. like, right. I mean, I had a group of friends in my early twenties who I got high with but it definitely wasn't partying. It was like right. just getting fucking high. Do you know totally. what I mean? I, I mean, maybe I just didn't use the verb to party, but like I it didn't feel like partying. <laughs> yeah, know, no, I, I know what you mean exactly. I mean, I, I'm an alcoholic, and like I, I, uh, I, uh, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Are you especially in- the, the last ten years or so? Joshua, you still drink? Or are you sober? Um, it'll uh, in September. It'll be three years since I had a drink. That's awesome. I smoke weed though, still. So. Okay, all right. Um, but I do go to AA. Do they know you smoke weed in AA? Or yeah, think- I'm very honest about that. All right, we're have to be honest man. about it. You know, at the very least, uh, I have to be honest. There's a lot of people that have switched from um, uh, antidepressants and mood elevators to weed in in twelve step out here. Quite honestly, since it's legal now. And, right, uh, I'm not. I'm not spinning that yarn, though. I know I'm not living life exactly on life's terms here. Yeah. And and though the damage is nothing, like the damage is like not the same as it was with alcohol. I could see like just my behavior. Like it's something I really need to like think about. <laughs> Put it that way. Jo- Joshua and I reconnected like really strongly after his last relapse three years ago. That's how this podcast was kind of started. Yeah, I ended up, I, I relapsed in Chicago at a concert. I was by myself. And on the way back, I ended up on the plane sitting next to a mutual friend who told Kevin that I was not in, doing in trouble. Well. Yeah. What concert was it? It was a Riot Fest. Okay. Yeah. And what did the guy, what was wrong with you on the plane? You were just all drunk and blacked out and stuff? Oh, yeah. I was, it was the end of, yeah, every, everything. I had blood all over me. I don't know how I got on the plane. Like, my, everything. Like, everything. Like, I know my phone was fucked up. Like, everything. Everything you can imagine. I lost my wedding ring. Like, right. yeah. I ended up owing a lot of money to the Airbnb. And there was no one there, but, you know, no one partying with me, for instance. Right, right. Yeah. She her exact yeah. words to me. She actually texted me and said, "Can you talk?" Because she didn't even want to text the the situation. 
And I called her and she said, she's like, have you talked to Joshua Doan lately? And I said, not in a while. Why? What's up? And she's like, can you check in on him, please? Right. And she kind of gave me it the was rundown. the best thing that ever happened to me because it the uh, when I think back like the difference between that and all the other times it was just like from then on I've I'm act, I'm like I'm scared to drink. Do you know what I mean? Like it scares me. It doesn't ever not scare me the thought of drinking since then. No, I hear you. I, yeah. yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't smoke weed because uh, I mean I love smoking weed. You know, I love smoking weed more yeah. than anything. You know, um, but. I like, I lost all of my life because I love smoking weed so much, basically. Sure. I mean, yeah. I still have a nice fantasy in my head that one day when I'm like 70 years old, I'll have a rocking chair and a bong and I'll sit on my front porch and play guitar and get high. You well, know, is it a gateway for you too? Because like, I noticed, like, I don't do anything else. Like I noticed, I thought, oh, I could do cocaine. I'm an alcoholic. But every time I did cocaine, I ended up drinking. So I ruled that out. I don't see it as a gateway. I just know, I, I just had such a terrible life. Until I got yeah. sober. Sure, you know, yeah. Like, my life was just so bad that I don't yeah. take any fucking chances. I have two sure. kids. I have a house. No. Like, I never had anything. I never had anything in my life. You know? I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, and now I have stuff, and I don't want to lose it, you know? so I'm yeah. kind of the same way. Like, I, people ask me, too, because they're like, oh, after 21 years, don't you think you just have a drink? You know? And I'm like... Listen, there's not a single thing that drinking or smoking weed is going to improve in my life right now. So I'm going to leave it at that. Because, like, I I don't think my life would get better on any level. Like, especially the way I am. I'm just like, you know, like I said, I still have, I mean, I've got plenty of problems. I don't need to add to them at this point. I feel the same way. (laughs) I'm a very problematic person. So no, I could I could totally relate. And I also if I pantomime smoking a joint, I can get high. Like I literally can get high from it. Like it's like I can access exactly every feeling of smoking weed from the taste to the burn to what my head does. Like and this is years later. It's like I, I feel like I'm always high. You know, yeah. I feel like it's it's within me, the the high still. So I, I feel good about that. And and really the thing was that I had fucked up my life so badly. You know, when I when I was 41, I was like, this is probably just about half my life. And the only thing I have to show for it is uh, I have a kid that I'm not with. I had no custody of. And uh, I have a waiter job. I have a little bit of cash and I have an apartment, you know, uh, and, and I want so much more. And I'm not talking about like money and prizes and shit. I just want to have a mm-hmm. life that I want. So at 41, I was like, let's see what doing recovery will yield. You know, and it's been it's blown my mind, and I don't like sounding all culty and shit. But, but like, it's insane, right? Like yeah. I don't talk about it either with people, but like it's fucking, it's it's incredible how quickly in a, your life changes. Yeah, it's 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 remarkable, and like uh, I'm so I'm thrilled with my life from it, and I don't I, I long for being a stoner one day again, but it's like very far in the distance. You know what I mean? My, my wife talks about that. A little bit. <laughs> I'm, I just don't know. I'm, you know, jury's out. Like I, I like in concept. I love it. Like I'm like, oh, this is sick. this is what I tell young people about weed. This is a really I cool. Like, since right. I like it, tell, tell I me. tell them this: if you are planning on doing shit, <laughs> don't start smoking weed. But <laughs> yeah. if you have your shit all good and nice, <laughs> you know, uh, for me. It's okay, but I'm not gonna like get like super ambitious now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know how to, if that makes sense or not. It totally makes it, sense. 
it, it makes it's like basically if you're not if you're not a drug addict you can you should smoke weed and if you're a drug addict <laughs> yeah basically yeah probably not probably not so um lots has happened since you started this uh this podcast of yours a lot like so and again you know i i already knew of you guys because the recovery community out here is like because it's it can be kind of heroin heavy in certain meetings and you know, I, like I said, I know Tracy, who's been on your show a number of times, and now we've drawn the connection with Brandon, who's doing merchandise. Um, uh, I'd love to hear how that all came about. And uh, but it's funny, it's funny because Brandon mentioned you a bunch of times, and uh, then he mentioned your company, uh, and I was like, wait a second, I heard of that company, and uh, and he was like, well. Um, he was like, well, how did you hear of it? I was like, I don't know. I think he, I said, I think he wanted to do my merch and he's like, well, go, go look at it. And I looked at it and it was like, you wrote me to ask me to come on the show. And right. I didn't, I did I like, I think I was so caught up in the, this American life mania that I didn't write it down and I didn't respond immediately. And I forgot about it, like I said. Right. And, um, so like, I mean, dopey, like basically we started it back then it was me and Chris. We recorded four half hour episodes at a time and we would release two episodes a week because we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> it's just, was it like, just you guys talking, just the two of you? It was just me and him uh, talking into a computer, meaning like we didn't even have mics. Uh, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, he was like, I want to get gear, and I was like, don't bother getting gear. We're not spending a dollar on this thing. It's not going to go anywhere. We're not going to do anything. It's bullshit. Let's just talk into the fucking computer and it'll be fine. And the fact of the matter was the audio wasn't good, obviously, but the vibe was really good. And, um, and, uh, it was like, basically Chris was this amazing storyteller who got himself into a lot of really fucked up situations and, uh, and I always wanted to have a talk show. So I kind of pretended like I was doing a talk show and I would kind of like fuck with Chris. I kind of pretended it was like the Howard Stern show <laughs> and, uh, and I was Howard and Chris was, you know, a combination of Artie and Robin and Jackie and Fred. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it was just fun. And basically the audience, like, and also like Chris and I had been friendly since rehab, but we weren't like tight. And we kind of became tight friends just from doing the podcast. So, so you like, guys weren't tight before you started recording it. Yeah, I mean, we were like friendly, but we weren't like we yeah. weren't like. I mean, like put it like this: from when we started, which was January of 2016, to the day he died, we probably texted every day. But before that, we probably didn't. Do you know, what mm-hmm. I mean? we probably texted like three mm-hmm. times a year before that hmm. you know so like it was basically the most beautiful thing about dopey was it documented me and him becoming really tight yeah that's sweet well so the this american life thing you mentioned i mentioned earlier it um how did that kind of come about because weren't they recording you guys when doing all no. the content no. No. So what, what happened uh, what happened with that was basically uh, I, I'm just like a, a whore, like an attention whore, you know, promotion <laughs> whore. And, uh, and like with the last Jewish waiter, I like wrote all these places to get it like reviewed and get it shown and watched and written about and all this fucking shit. So like when dopey started, I did the same thing. And, uh, when, when, 
you know, I did the, the last Jewish waiter. I was like, this is a perfect, this American life story. And I sent it to this American life and they didn't, they didn't care, you know? And then when Dopey started, I was like, this is a perfect, this American life story. And I sent it to them and they didn't care. And then after Chris died, I was like, well, this is the story they're going to do. And I sent it to them and they wrote me right away. Cause Chris had died. Oh. Um, so that's how that happened. Um, and, uh, it really did like, basically it, you know, our audience was, uh, was, you know, I mean, for podcasts, for every podcast out there, we were pretty good for a good podcast. We were tiny. Like we were like a big insect or something. And, uh, basically we had spent the first two and a half years of the show trying to get Artie Lang from the Howard Stern show onto Dopey. Mm -hmm. And, um, and right before Chris died, Artie agreed to come on. And, um, so me and Chris went and recorded with Artie in New Jersey and, uh, and Chris was actually high for it, which I didn't know. And Artie was high for it, which I didn't know because I was very naive. And, um, and basically the Artie episode was like our biggest downloaded episode. And then two episodes later, Chris died and like, and, uh, out of nowhere, like I didn't even believe it. And, um, and then our audience like doubled and then when this American life happened, it doubled again. So basically it was just kind of like, you know, it got bigger and bigger. And then also after Chris died, I didn't really know, like I, my wife was like, you should just stop doing the show. Cause I think she was tired of me being so obsessed with the show. Um, but I was just like, I, I always wanted a talk show and I always wanted to have an audience and I had an audience and I wasn't going to let it die just because Chris had to die. The audience like was a bunch of junkies that counted on us yeah. like to, to like have a good time in recovery. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I was like, I'm not going to stop doing the show. And then I just tried getting guests and I got some decent guests after he died. And um, but the show was pretty fucking depressing, you know, because yeah. Chris had just died. Um and basically, I just kept doing the show, and I said to myself, "I'm going to do the show until it sucks, or it's so not." Do you, did you always have a guest, or was it sometimes just by yourself? I never did it by myself. Okay. No, like Marin, like I had Mark Marin on Dopey one time. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I said to Marin, "Huh?" I was just looking at that episode. Yeah, that was a really good one. Revisit this episode. It's really good. It's really, yeah. really good. <laughs> Yeah, it was shockingly good. I, I thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, I'm so excited to. You should to definitely. It's it's episode 160. Go get it, Joshua. Seriously, yeah. it's really fucking good. I, in fact, I have it literally on my screen right now because I'm like, I should re-listen to this episode because Marin talks about stuff he doesn't necessarily get into onto his on his show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. it was it it's was good. good. It's really but good. like with Marin, like Marin does his show like alone. Yeah, and like and I'm a Howard Stern fan, and I was just like. Ma- Mr. You know, Mark, Mr. Marin, whatever I said to him, I was like, uh, don't you get lonely doing it by yourself? You know what I mean? Like, it seems so sad to do a podcast alone. <laughs> yeah. You know, like Bill Burr, like he does his podcast. He laughs at his own jokes. It's terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. I could never do that. I don't think it's so uncomfortable to yeah. laugh at your own jokes. You know? Yeah. Oh my God. I, it's like, have a laugh track or something, get somebody in there. Yeah. It just seems so lonely. And so like, so like with Dopey, I sometimes do small Marin-esque alone sections. Yeah. Um, but when I do them, I have somebody on the phone with me because I can't fucking do it alone. I don't like it. I don't like the feeling. Oh, but you don't, does the other person record it too, or they're just there to help you? No, they're just it? there to like, give me like somebody to talk to. Yeah. 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 
That's awesome. I used to do a stand-up comedy and I would rehearse at home and I would do my set into a mic and record it. And it was just like the worst, worst, worst feeling ever because without that feedback, it's just empty. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's almost unnatural. I mean, I think everything comes down to the, the best thing about anything is the vibe and if the vibe is not good, it's not going to be good. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's just like, that's it. Like, did you listen to uh, Jerry Seinfeld on Marin's podcast? I did. Wasn't it fascinating? Uh-huh. I was like, holy uh-huh. shit. Like, I, I could, like, eat that podcast. You know, it was riveting. <laughs> well, it was funny watching Mark try to navigate. Like, I know that he just really was trying to get in there, get into Jerry's head. And Jerry was like a ninja with, like, his swords, like, blocking every move. No, Jerry wasn't fucking playing. It was, like, it was no. very – It was, but Jerry was, like, a dick. You know, Jerry's, like, a World War II dad that knows everything about everything. Yeah. Like, Jerry, yeah, yeah, like yeah. – and Marin is like this totally introspective beatnik, and it's like the it's like blood and fire or something. It's like, but uh, you know, I got a kick out of it. And then at the end, Marin's like, "Fuck it," and he like burns the whole thing down at the last two minutes of the show. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. It was just like it was so weird, but I really enjoyed it. You know? But There's the a vibe- couple weird ones. Did you hear that? Well, we can't just talk about Mark Marin's podcast the whole time. Well, we could, you could tell me. What are you going to say? I love Mary. Oh, there was – well, I'm just like the uh, – was it uh, – here, I'll switch it. Did the Gene Simmons, uh, Terry Gross interview? Did you oh, know yeah. One? I didn't hear it. How was it? It's one of the – it's so uncomfortable. It, uh, he's just such a creepo. Yeah, he's so gross. He's Terry Gross. Yeah. That's so funny. Gene Simmons is gross. Terry Gross. You know, it's funny. <laughs> well, they used to that's – that's actually Howard Stern. They, they, they did uh, – they just – like fuck, they game him incessantly. They they make fun of him. Well, that's because of Craig, Craig Gas. Yeah, Craig Gas could do the the Gene Simmons voice. That voice. Oh my god. Yeah. And they I do saw it perfectly. Like I, I actually use that when I've got a, like a band that wants to do a bunch of weird stuff printed with mm-hmm. us. I'll start going. Okay, so you guys are kissed down. I'll go into the Gene Simmons. Like we're gonna do belt buckles. We're gonna do. And they, they always are like <laughs> pissed off and. You know, they're like, Stern, you know, like, and I'm like, come on, dude, do t-shirts, sell your t-shirts, be happy, you know? Yes. You know, totally. kids, <laughs> but check out the Terry, the Terry Gross interview is incredibly awkward. Mm-hmm. I like the Howard Stern, Terry Gross interview though. That was good. Did you hear that one? No, I don't think I've heard that. Oh, I don't think so. That was good. See, we're, um, just, we're going to have a laundry list of things to listen to after this. I, I totally recommend anybody who's a fan of comedy or Jerry Seinfeld or Marin should listen to that. Yeah, but no. Marin, but, but Jerry, Jerry on uh, on Howard the week before was like so good. It was the vibe was so perfect. Yeah. Did you ever hear that one? That I mean, like it, it's like if Seinfeld and Stern did a, a show together, it would be like the best because they're just two Jews from Long Island and right. they can be dicks to each other, but it's in the culture of being dicks to each other, and it's like right. it's understood. Mm-hmm. You know, totally, totally. What? Uh, hey, what? What town are you in, in in Long Island? Out of curiosity, I live in Sayville. Okay, I got I got family out there. My, I've, I've, in fact, she she just she moved a few years ago, but one of my mom's cousins was living in Manhasset for forever. Right on. Um, but yeah, there's there are a bunch of them are out there, just kind of you know, still still living close to the city. Yeah, I mean, we live like basically in the center of Long Island, so yeah. it's like it's, it's fifty miles out of Manhattan. I haven't been to Manhattan. 
uh, since March 13th, really? um, which is crazy. I've worked from home since March 13th cause I caught COVID. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. did you? I did not yeah. know this. Yeah. I had the, I had the, the coronavirus. It was bad. What, um, yeah. What was it like? I, you know, I, it's like you, I've been hearing, I, I, I haven't had anybody that's actually tested positive that, that, you know, definitely had it. I have some friends that we suspect, but. No, I definitely had it. I tested positive. Were you a heroin addict, Kevin? Oh, yeah. It's not as bad as kicking dope. Okay. Uh, it's not as bad as kicking dope, but it's like it's like strep throat or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was like 103 mm-hmm. fever. You couldn't – you swallowing razor blades. You know, like it felt oh. like – I felt like shit. And then I couldn't taste anything for like 10 weeks. Ugh. Which was crazy, but it wasn't that bad. It wasn't like it wasn't like any kind of sickness you have. You kind of put it up against kicking dope, yeah. And like, and it wasn't as bad as kicking dope, you know. In fact, there's something I always like getting ill because right. I know that I'm not kicking dope. You know what I mean? It's like some sort of nostalgic mm. thing mm. about it. I don't know. Yeah. Um. But um. Yeah. yeah and and no, the thing. And, and dopey, dopey, basically is um it's like my favorite thing you know what i yeah. mean like i'm totally obsessed with it and uh i work on it every day yeah and, and that's know. amazing good for you yeah you should it's, it's work a great on- show man i'm not it really is like i've, I've every, every time i listen i'm like i thoroughly enjoy the guests i just you know it's like it, you know and a lot of it is just the honesty right like being able to have people on that you can just just you know it's like whatever comes out comes out you know, the interviews with Tracy have been great. She's also one of my favorite people in full disclosure. So it's, it's hard to, hard to get too disappointed when I hear her talking. She's been on this show too. Um, yeah, she's, she's, she's brilliant, you know, and she's been through it and she's like, she's really doing amazing work for people. You know, she, mm-hmm. she's like out there doing stuff that other people aren't doing. Like I don't send Narcan to anybody, you know, she's an amazing person. Yeah. She was our first show. Yeah. I think she was. was. Dave, is it hard to, have a job and do the show and have a family at the same time? Yes. It's very, very hard. Um, it's, it's very hard, but I think it really helps with my recovery. Mm-hmm. Like, because I just stay ridiculously busy. Like I just yeah. go from one thing to the next all day and all night. Um, which is great. I mean, it's hard, but, but I, I mean, I used to love doing nothing. I used to love watching TV <laughs> And lying around and eating and stuff. And I don't mm-hmm. get to do that anymore. I think it really helps with my recovery a lot because I'm constantly busy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, if you're doing the show, you're talking to other people in recovery mostly, right? Yeah. 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 I actually, kind of I just started sponsoring a dude today. And it's like the first, it's like we just started working the steps in the book right. and like, it's cool, you know, because like I'm always talking addiction and drugs, but I'm not really like reading the book with somebody. It was cool. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very different. I, I would agree. I, I need to get kind of back. I, I would, you know, it's it's something that sort of I was I was going to more meetings physically, and now I, you know I have to be honest. Like I'm like the the Zoom thing. I'm not. It's a little. I'm not that into. But um, right. You know, I, I definitely need to be like putting myself out there more for newcomers and, and sponsoring people again. It's just such, such a good feeling, and it's just so different than than uh, you know just talking about it. It really is like that very personal connection, and somebody's trusting you with their deepest, darkest. Right? It's like fuck. It's a pretty big responsibility. 
So yeah, are you kidding me? But it's also the thing that keeps us honest, right? Yep. I mean, uh, I, I was very lucky, like where I live, um, the meeting didn't stop, you know, with COVID. They just did social distancing at the meeting. Oh wow. It's, it's always outside. Oh, it's uh right now we're meeting at a beach uh in Bayport and uh it's a ton of people, but they stand six feet apart and everybody wears masks and you know, like I, I really, and it's at eight in the morning. It's really beautiful. And like, I don't know. I, I think that when Chris stopped, um, you know, around when Chris died, both of us kind of stopped going to meetings mm-hmm. and, um, because we felt as though we were participating in our recovery by doing the show. Right. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't really true. Do you know what I mean? It was, yeah. only, it wasn't doing the job. And in fact, Chris, like fucking just let it go and he just he just didn't think that he could have died from it you know he just he just thought he could i mean i was 43 and he was 33 and he just probably thought he could just do another relapse and come back you know well there's a physical aspect i think to the meetings you know besides everything that goes on there there's this idea that you're in this room for an hour you're not talking for an hour you're not looking at your phone for an hour like it's a it's a real break besides everything else you get from it, right? Yeah. And with the Zoom meetings, you can kind of get away with doing all sorts of shit. Yeah, right, right. Because the hardest part at meetings for me, at least at first, still actually, is that is I'm very squirrely at first, you know. Yeah, and then it kind of settles in eventually. Well, it's it's hard, especially as like overstimulated as we are, to like sit still, right? See what yeah, you it's, a, it's on, great. It deregulates like, you, and you come out, and you feel all calm. Yep, just on their phones the whole time. You know, like can't even sit still. Yeah, I mean that's a whole other thing. I mean the phone thing is like bizarre. Like, I mean that's something that me and Chris used to talk about all the time too. Like he would, and I do this now. He would get on his phone. He would look at Instagram. He would look at Facebook. He would look at his email. Then he'd put it down, and then he'd do it again. And, uh, and I do the same thing. It's like, you're just, but I think in a way you're just seeking connection. You're seeking action. You're seeking attention. You're just like, you, and you're trying to stay out of your own head, I guess. But that phone thing is crazy. It's a yeah, crazy thing. Totally. It's, it's, uh, you know, and I see, I, I was seeing it so much in, in meetings when, especially you were seeing people on their phones in meetings. Yes. Really? That's terrible. No one does that in my meeting. Dude. Not my home group anyway. There's some big there's some big meetings that I go to just to like to check out the uh the fuck. Um check out the um like the you know, people accept getting chips and stuff. Because it's mm-hmm. it's fun. I mean it's like, you know, you get these guys in there with all these years that are just like, you know, it's like it kind of pumps you up, right? Um, yeah. and I'll see people in the back, like, you know, after the chip part of it, that aren't really paying attention to the speaker. And I'm just like, you little shit. That's fucked up. I, I mean, they always say at the beginning of the meetings I go to, to keep your, you know, keep your phone away. And where I go, there's not that many people on the phone. Uh, I would lose my shit. You know what I mean? Um, that's very disrespectful, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, um, so what exactly, I mean, I can't even imagine you guys were working on this podcast together. You were talking every day. I mean, did, did, did you know that he had, had relapsed that Chris had no. relapsed? No, I had no idea. I mean, but you have to understand that around the time that Chris had relapsed, me and my partner were, uh, looking to buy a house 
she was very pregnant. And, um, and when he had, by the time, you know, when he died, I mean, we had bought a house and had a baby. We had a 10 year old and we had a baby on May 15th. We moved into the house on May 16th and he died on July 24th. So like shit was crazy. Uh, at that point, you know, I didn't notice that he was relapsing, but he also lived in Boston. You know what I mean? He was doing a PhD in Boston. We would, uh, we hadn't recorded in person since the Artie Lang recording. And he seemed, he seemed all fucked up at the Artie Lang recording, but he had injured himself. And he said the injury was bothering him. And I was like, I didn't see a reason not to believe him, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and like, you have to also understand that, like, uh, I had this friend from college that uh, I used a ton of drugs with uh, all the time. And he died, um, like in the beginning of June, the same year. So in the beginning of June, I lost like my best friend, Todd. And then six weeks later, Chris died. And, 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 and six weeks before my daughter was born and we bought a house. So it was like the most traumatic time I could imagine basically. Uh, Yeah. But at least, I mean, like, again, I was busy. I was busy making the show. I was busy with the baby and I was busy working. Yeah, that's, I mean, I can't even imagine. That's why you don't smoke weed. No, I don't smoke weed because, like, you know, (laughs) exactly. You know, what the fuck am I going to do? Right, right. And also, like, I honestly think, like, I've smoked enough weed. Like, I know, I really, when I say that, it's not just shtick. I really feel like, I don't want to fuck it up, Joshua, you know? Yeah, I don't even like talking about it too much because I'm not here to endorse. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not here to say that everything's, like, great. Uh, I, I thought you were trying to be adulting well over here. You're pushing weed on a sober guy. The fuck? Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm definitely not. <laughs> we're trying. We're trying to uh, to adult as well as we can. At so, Joshua's um, a, at Joshua's AA meeting, they're all taking bong hits. That's <laughs> I want to go to that meeting. No, they were just very uh, kind to me when I opened up about it. Yeah. They were very cool to me about I'm it. I'm just playing. And, and I can imagine what Kevin said is true, that in the age of legal weed, that it becomes sort of like an SSRI or something. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Everything seems pretty cool, but it's something to pay attention to. Yeah, it's a, it's a def, definitely. I've noticed it more and more the last few years, for sure. Yeah, I've heard. But I, so when I opened up at my meeting, it was the first time I heard about that because several people came after me afterwards and told me that they knew people who were green and clean, as they called it. And uh, I'm just, I just don't. I'm not here to. I'm just sorry. I don't know why I can't make a point of this. I don't want to subscribe to that exactly because I don't feel like. I feel like the jury is still out on me personally. Well, I'll tell you what, what Chris always said to me, right. Was that cause I was relapsing on bud and he said, well, as long as you don't wind up on heroin, you can smoke weed. And mm-hmm. the second that you wind up on something else and your life isn't the way you want it to be, you'll know yes. you can't smoke weed the next time. And yes. luckily you're not a heroin addict. So like if you wind up drinking, you're not going to die. You could just modify your recovery, you know? I mean, I think that sounds fine. If I end up drinking, I'm definitely going to die. I'm definitely never drinking again. All right. Well, I mean, like, there you go. So if you find yourself taking a sip of alcohol, you'll know that you can't be, you know, green and clean or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I and listen, I, I, I do not judge anybody for anything. You know what I mean? I'm a little jealous. 
if I know what it's like, because I didn't smoke. I, I weed is new for me. Like I didn't smoke it back in the day, and I didn't smoke when I first got sober. And like I know what it's like to come home after a hard day of work and not have weed there waiting for me, and I'm not into it. So it's like, you know, I'm definitely using a drug. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's been uh, it's it's interesting. I've seen a lot of friends over the years. Like you know, what's been the most interesting to me about being sober actually is the people that have got years and years that go out. You know? Yeah, it's so scary. Just, that just shows that shows how, how tenuous the whole thing is. Like yeah, it is. Yeah, right? it is. Yeah. It is very. I mean, it really is. It's you know, it's it, it's almost like indescribable. Like I try to describe it to people that don't don't, you know, suffer from addiction or you know, don't have that really that that thing, you know, and it's 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 really it's I mean obviously most people to one degree or another have experienced it in their family at this point. Um, but it, it's just such a, you know, it's like so hard to explain. Like, why can't you just stop? You know? And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, it's so sir. funny too. Cause no matter how much damage there is, like up until last time I relapsed, I knew intellectually that I shouldn't drink, <laughs> but it didn't <laughs> feel like a big deal. Yeah. You know, it didn't feel like as big of a deal as the way everyone was around me was acting. And now I kind of stepped over to their line and I can kind of look at my whole life and see that it was always a big deal. Yeah. Always. Right. So, hey, we should probably start wrapping because we usually try to keep it 45 to an hour. But. So the one nice thing about this too is, you know, obviously you've already, you've already let the cat out of the bag (laughs) that you love dopey and you love doing this podcast. So I'm, I'm going to, you know, sort of venture a educated guess and say that that is your, this is your project right now. We don't, we don't have to pitch a bunch of other stuff. Like this is your thing. Yeah. It's my thing. You know, this is what I do. It's amazing. Um, Yeah. You know, um, I'm very, 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 uh, proud of dopey and i'm proud of uh being a part of it and you know uh, i don't do an episode without mentioning chris or todd and yeah uh you know it's like it's cool like the idea is it's meant to keep people in recovery company it's meant to keep addicts company and i I mean i think you guys do that too you know i think it's awesome like when you can do that yeah so i wanted to ask you in kind of in closing too you know how does it feel when you get those emails from people that are like man you know, you, you, your, your show really helps me. Like, I mean, that's got to feel so good. Uh, I, I mean, I like it, of course. I mean, it's like, it's almost unreal in a way. Yeah. Like there's, there's a certain part of me that like, it does, even though like a lot of people listen to the show, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily feel like that. And even when I hear from people, it's very surreal, Right. but it definitely, it feels good. But I'll tell you like, I get a lot of really, really, really beautiful emails from people. Yeah. And when, and when I get a negative one, like I lose my fucking shit. Really? Like I take, I take the compliments in my stride and the negative one like upends me. Cause huh. I'm like a sick, I'm like a sick person. Yeah, you know what course. I mean? Like, of course. Um, so like, but like, I love the response that dopey has. I mean like, dude, there's 12 people in the world that have dopey tattoos. That's crazy. Um, there's like, 
there's a crew of people on Facebook called the Dopey Nation, and they look after each other. And like they, there are people they write, they send in versions of my songs. They send in their own songs. They make dopey art. They make. There's a woman who does dopey crafts. She sends nightlights out with the dopey symbol on it. She makes buttons. She makes keychains. She makes fridge magnets because she loves it and she loves the community. They have a dopey Zoom meeting every day. On Friday, they have two of them. I mean, like, the Dopey Nation is like, it's like the land of misfit toys. It's it's like meant to destigmatize addiction and, like, to be able to laugh about the dumb shit that yeah. you did. And uh, and I'm very, very, very proud to, have, uh, to be a part of it. That's amazing. Well, good for you. And I will say, from me to you, that your show has helped me. And this is, you know, a guy with a lot, a lot of years. And so when you, when you need to hear something that you can connect to and you're, and there's something out there, it's really an amazing kind of thing, a a resource, just one other resource in that massive, massive toolkit. Right. And uh, so the show's amazing. You do a great job with your guests and I'm really glad that you're doing what you're doing, man. So thanks to you. No, I appreciate that a lot. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, thanks so much. This has been great. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks.